Oh, buenos dias. That's all I got. Porquito Espanol. See? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, if you would. And David, thank you for sharing. That was wonderful, brother. Um, listen, David got to introduce his family. Uh, so I want to introduce my family. Uh, they're not with me, but I'm going to introduce them anyway. Uh, my wife, Jill, and I in May will be married 38 years by the grace of God. Uh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, she's my bride. Uh, let me just say one thing about her. Um, I wish she were with me because she makes me look a lot better than what I really am. And uh, I, you, you laugh, but I, I'll bring her back with me and you'll say, yep, that was an upgrade. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have three married daughters. And let's uh, see. Let me get the ages right. 35, 33, 31, I believe, somewhere around there. I think I probably messed them up. And we have nine grandchildren uh, with a tenth on the way. Uh, our grandchildren presently, the nine that we have, are seven and under. And so when we're all together, it is bedlam. It's chaos. It's fun. And then they go home, which is great for being a grandparent. Well, I had, I had, uh, I had you open to Matthew chapter 28 because um, we're going to, I'm just attempt to preach from that passage today. It fits into your missions weekend. And when Matthew was kind enough to extend the invitation to come to your missions weekend, I was eager to say yes, uh, not only to participate in it and learn from you in it, but I wanted to come here and thank you personally for your partnership with Sovereign Grace as a local church. I just didn't want to send an email or a note. I wanted to come and look you in the eye and say thank you Thank you, Kingsway Community Church, for being a faithful family member of the Sovereign Grace family of churches. And I just want to say that generally. Let me, let me tell you why I thank God for you as a local church. Um, you, you know this. A family is only as strong as its individual members. And you are a faithful, strong local church. And because of the unique things that God is doing here, you're strengthening us as a family of churches. So your, your gospel presence here in Richmond, uh, this church faithfully proclaims and shares the gospel. You seek to apply it to your lives. That's, that's, that's big. It's important. And you strengthen us as a family of churches. Your unique uh, connection to Bolivia to, to support what, what Andy and Andrea are doing, uh, with their ministry, which is wonderful to hear last night, Andrea. Uh, what you're doing in support of the orphanage and all the work um, that, that's being done there um, is just so vital. Not just support like you send money. You go there and you spend time there, as David said. Um, that, that's, that's so important. Um, and that example, it, it strengthens us as as a family of churches. Your, your support of what Josh and Lisa are doing in, in, uh, in Africa. It was wonderful to see Josh last night at 3.30 in the morning, his time. He did a great job sharing, by the way. Um, your prayers for him. Your support of the Windelmeyers. It was good to see Fred and Dawn and their family last night. Um, that, that marks you as a church. And um, your example to Sovereign Grace and you strengthen us as a family of churches. So that's why I wanted to come here. I wanted to, I wanted to specifically tell you why I thank God for you and why you're such a vital part of our family of churches. Amen? I'm done. We can just 
No, you want me to preach? Okay. I had you, I had you open to Matthew chapter 28 because from these verses, I want to speak a little bit about the great commission that Christ has given us and draw out this value that you not only have, but that we do share in our family of churches, that being church planting, gospel outreach, local outreach, and global missions. And I'm, I'm really grateful that Matthew asked me to preach on that because the gospel is something that we not only want to, tr to treasure, it's not only something we want to build our churches on, the gospel must be proclaimed. It must be told. It must be shared with others. On each point of this sermon this morning, what I'm going to do is, is give you just updates on what's happening in Sovereign Grace church plants and global missions work that we're doing around the world to give you an idea of how we're seeking to live this value out. The title of my message is An Unfinished Task, and we're going to read verses 16 through 20 here in Matthew 28 as what's become known as the Great Commission. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. May God bless the preaching of his word. On Sunday, February 21st of last year, over 5,000 churches in 100 different countries sang a hymn. We actually sang it last night entitled, Facing a Task Unfinished. The hymn was sung in many different languages by an estimated 1.1 million Christians on that one day. And the first verse goes like this. Facing a task unfinished, that drives us to our knees. A need that undiminished rebukes our slothful ease. We who rejoice to know thee renew before thy throne the solemn pledge we owe thee to go and make thee known. This hymn was recently updated by Keith and Christian, Kristen Getty, but it was per, first written in 1929 by Frank Houghton, who is, was working for China Inland Mission and was a pastor at that time. And he wrote this hymn as a call to send 200 missionaries into China at the height of that country's persecution of Christians. And yet by the end of 1931... 200 missionaries at the risk of their very own lives. They, they had been sent to China. They went to China to finish, to continue this unfinished task of proclaiming Christ to every tribe and tongue and nation. And even though this hymn was written some 87 years ago, this task to make disciples of all nations, it remains unfinished in our day as well. According to the Joshua Project, over 6,500 people groups, that's people groups, not people, over 6,500 people groups are considered unreached with the gospel today. 
That's about 42% of the world's population. And if you think the Great Commission work is only work that needs to be done outside of the United States, listen to this statistic. According to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, that's up in the Boston area, approximately 400,000 missionaries were deployed throughout the world in 2010. Do you know which country received the most missionaries in that year? What? What's your guess? The United States. In 2010, 32,400 missionaries, they were sent from other countries to bring the gospel here to the United States. That stat alone tells you that there are people living all around us who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because our world is more globally connected than ever in history, the people that live around us, they may be from different tribes and tongues and nations. That's your experience here at Kingsway. You have people from Latin America and Central America that are a part of this church. So this this call to make disciples of all nations is something every one of us can participate in. Whether we do go to another country or we simply reach out to our neighbor that lives across the street. You see, the Great Commission is a reminder that you as a church and that we as a family of churches have an unfinished task to make disciples of all nations. And it's why church planting, outreach, and global missions is one of our seven shared values in our family of churches. Because we as a family of churches believe that through local gospel outreach, through the planting of churches throughout the world, through doing global missions, we will participate in completing this unfinished task of making disciples of all nations. And we share this value because there's so much more that we can do together as a family of churches than any one church can do alone. So three things that we learn from the Great Commission. Number one, we fulfill God's global mission for his glory. We fulfill God's global mission for his glory. Jesus says here in verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So it begs the question, who has given Jesus this universal authority? Well, there are several passages in our Bibles that tell us it is God the Father who has given Jesus this universal authority. Here's one proof text, John chapter 12, verse 49. And this is Jesus speaking. For I have not spoken on my own authority. He made that very clear. But the Father who sent me, has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. God the Father, who has given Jesus this universal authority, is our Father as well because he is the creator of heaven and earth. We, we learn that from the very first verse in our Bibles, don't we? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 declares that God created the heavens and the earth giving him exclusive reign and giving him universal authority over the universe, including all the nations. Now you know this, after God creates the heavens and the earth, he creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he places them in the Garden of Eden. Pause here for a second. Things at this point in redemptive history, they're great. See, there was no need for mission in the Garden of Eden, right? as there will be no need for mission in the new heavens and the new earth. 
But because of the fall, because of Adam's original sin, all of creation is fallen, including all people from all nations who have rejected God's universal reign and his universal authority and are now objects of God's wrath. And yet, very early on in our Bibles, we get a, we get a glimpse of God's gracious initiative to save sinners from that wrath. We see it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is God speaking to the serpent who had tempted Eve, and this is what he says to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, in other words, God announces that the offspring of Eve, which can be traced to the person of Jesus Christ, will bruise the head of Satan as he decisively defeats him on the cross. In other words, in Genesis 3.15, we get our first glimpse, we get our first sighting of the gospel in all of Scripture. And from Genesis 3.15 onward, we see God's gracious movement to save a desperately needy fallen world that is in rebellion against his universal authority and stands under his righteous judgment. Here's my point. Our God is a God of mission who takes initiative to save sinners, people like you and I, from wrath by sending his beloved son to accomplish the great purpose of salvation, a salvation that is offered to people from all nations. It's this God, the creator and the ruler of the universe, who gives Jesus universal authority, and he sends Jesus, and he says to him, go and seek and save the lost. You see, mission did not originate with us. Mission was not man's idea. Mission originated with God. It was God's idea because it was initiated by himself. His mission is our mission, and it's a global mission intended to reach every tribe and tongue and nation with the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, your mission weekend is an expression of that truth, that you believe that this is God's mission that you are on. Now, we, we know from Revelation chapter 7 that the ultimate purpose of the mission that we are called to fulfill is to bring God glory and worship from people from all nations. I love the, the book of Revelation because there are parts of it that help us glimpse into our future and they give us these pictures of what we will enjoy in heaven. It's great to read those, read those verses. I read them and I pray, oh come Lord Jesus. Don't you look forward to that day? Okay, this is what we're gonna enjoy. This is a picture of what we will enjoy on that day. Revelation 7 verses nine and 10 and then verse 12. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. I mean, stop there for a moment. Think about that. If you're, if you're a Christian here this morning, you're in Christ, don't you look forward to that day? We will be standing among a great multitude that no one can number. Well, that alone makes you pray, come Lord Jesus, right? Now, look at the composition of this multitude from every nation, 
from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. See, the Great Commission, amen. The Great Commission reveals God's mission and its ultimate purpose is for God alone to receive glory and worship from people from all nations. John Piper says it so succinctly and so well. Mission exists because worship doesn't. It's well said, isn't it? Very succinctly. Mission exists because worship doesn't. And that's why sovereign grace exists. We exist as a family of churches to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, this global mission that he initiated in Genesis 3.15 and continues for his glory today. And it's our desire, it's our shared desire to see more people join us in that great multitude on that day. People from all nations, it's that desire that fuels our passion and our urgency in this day to continue this unfinished task. And so what I want to do is I want to give you some updates of how that's happening in Sovereign Grace. Um, About two and a half years ago, we planted a church in South Philadelphia Christ Church was planted by Jeff Betcher. He was sent from Marlton, New Jersey, kind of across the Delaware River into South Philadelphia. And um, let's see, South Philadelphia. How many people have seen the movie Rocky? He's running through the Italian market, right? Yo, Adrian, right? That's South Philadelphia. Jeff's church meets two blocks from where that scene was shot. So that kind of gives you a picture of the place I'm talking about. Jeff, who leads Christ Church, um, has a friend who is a CEO of a biomedical company in Philadelphia. And so he goes to his workplace and visits his friend one day. And while there, his CEO friend introduces him to a young man by the name of Jesse Butch. Jesse is a young urban professional on the fast track looking to advance in his company. So when Jeff was introduced to Jesse, Jesse didn't even shake his hand. He just walked right by him. As Jeff said, pastors can't help people like Jesse get ahead. So he wasn't worth his time. However, all of Jesse's success was leaving him very empty inside. Let me me give this church thing a try, thought Jesse. Maybe it'll make me feel better. Well, it didn't make him feel better at all. As Jesse said, it made him feel worse. Because he saw for the first time the selfish sinner that he truly was. And yet he kept being drawn back by the Lord to Christ's church where he heard the gospel proclaimed. And so eventually God saved him. God convicted him of his sin and Jesse repented and placed his faith in Christ. Jeff says that Jesse was their first baptism, first new convert as a church plant two years ago and and now has become just a pillar in the church. On the Sunday that he was baptized, Jesse quoted Philippians 3.18 with tears of joy. He said, indeed, 
I count everything loss as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Brothers and sisters, that's worship. That right there is worship. A young man living for himself on the fast track proclaims all of that's loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. That's worship because only God can do that kind of work. Only God can change our hearts like that and turn it in to worship. And that's why we plant churches, is to reach young men like Jesse and so that God can receive glory. Uh, back in 2015, we, um, we created a region, like you're part of a region here uh, as, as, a fa- uh, as a church. We created a region in the Asia-Pacific part of the world. And so we have churches in India and South Korea, the Philippines, and in Sydney, Australia. We adopted a church called His Dwelling Church. I love that. I love that name because it doesn't sound like a Sovereign Grace named church. Uh, His Dwelling Church, uh, led by Cornelio Nebo uh, in Cebu City, Philippines. We call him Nilo. And so Nilo, he... he, uh, he emails Dave Taylor, who's the regional leader and also the senior pastor of the Sovereign Grace Church in Sydney. He says, he says Dave, I want you to come to Cebu, and I want you to teach on gospel-centered life and gospel-centered ministry. I'm going to gather about 20 pastors I know here in Cebu City. So he did that this, this past, uh, last March, almost a year ago. And so they, they, they gathered for the week, and 20 pastors were there on the first day. By the end of the week, there were over 100 pastors at this event. We don't know how that happened. Uh, word got around Cebu City, I guess. And so at the end of that week, Dave said, look, if, if any of your churches have interest in being part of Sovereign Grace, I'm going to be back here like four times over the next 16 months, and I'm just going to teach on our theological values and the, 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 the seven shared values that we share, that, that kind of thing. Let me know if, if you're interested. Well, at the end of that week, 22 churches said to Dave, 22 pastors, uh, my church is interested in partnering with Sovereign Grace. And so I'm Skyping with Dave in April, and he said, Mark, can you believe it? 22 churches. What are we going to do? I said, I have no idea what we're going to do. You created this mess, though, and you've got to help me try to figure it out. So please pray. We, we actually adopted a church in, in Bahal uh, just at the end of last year, um, a church that we had been re- relating to for some time. But we need wisdom in that, in that area. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell this story because David knows these, these brothers. There are currently three students in David's Pastors College class from Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, they came here to be trained, and it's their intention in the next, after an internship in, a, in the next couple of years to plant a church in Kingston, a Sovereign Grace church there, which is, um, if you know anything about Jamaica, it has a rich Pentecostal history, which is wonderful in some ways, um, but there's just no reformed script, any, any reformed doctrine being taught. So they believe they, when they plant the church, it'll probably be like the, the second or third church that, that teaches reformed doctrine. So pray for that church plant in Jamaica, if you would. I, I tell you these stories to encourage you that we must continue this unfinished task to fulfill God's global mission, and our purpose is for God to receive glory. Amen? Amen. All right, second thing we learn from the Great Commission, we are sent by Jesus with his good news. We are sent by Jesus with his good news. It's interesting, Matthew begins his gospel account kind of in a very unique way. A little bit different than some of the other gospel writers. He says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of 
Abraham. Now, Matthew begins his gospel account this way, not only because he's primarily writing to Jewish believers, but he's being intentional in connecting the person of Jesus Christ to the person of Abraham. That's important because God's redemptive movement to save sinners that he began in Genesis chapter 3, it continues in Genesis chapter 12 where God makes his covenant with Abraham and he sends him from his own nation saying to him as he goes in Genesis 12 verse 3, in you, meaning you Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This blessing we know not only extends to Abraham's physical descendants, but to all who, as Paul tells us in Galatians 3, are children of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul writes it this way in Galatians 3, verse 26, and then 28 and 29. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So he's speaking to Christians, right? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Rich verse. And if you are Christ, listen to this, then you're what? Then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So God's promise that he makes to Abraham to bless all nations is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ in the gospel where the blessing of salvation is offered to people from all nations. All those who repent and turn from their sin and place their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ are in Christ who is himself a son of Abraham, and therefore we are sons and daughters of Abraham. The the message is this. The the point is this. The message of our mission is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because he's the one who fulfills the promise made to Abraham. The only hope that you and I carry to the nations is, is this, announcing you can be saved from wrath by believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone. So when Jesus stands on this mountain, And he says, go therefore to all the nations. He sends us with only one message, the gospel message. And that message, it must be shared with others. It must be told. It must be proclaimed. That's why the the first sentence that describes the shared value that we have in sovereign grace of church planning, outreach, and global missions, it's, it's why we wrote it this way. Here's how we wrote it, how it's written. Our gospel centrality entails not only treasuring the gospel personally, but sharing it passionately because the gospel must be shared. We are a family of churches who are sent by Jesus with his universal authority to share his good news. And by the way, this this make disciples language that you see here in verse 19, if if you study the original language, it it connects mission and the local church together. That's what it does. Eckhart Schnabel says this, the directive to make disciples demonstrates the ecclesiological, the the church, the, the ecclesiological dimension of the mission. Missionary work and church must not be separated since the very goal and purpose of missionary work is the creation of a community of disciples. That's why your gospel presence here, Kingsway, in the Richmond area is so important. 
Because local and global mission, it springs from the local church and it leads to the planting of new churches, the forming of new disciples, a community of disciples who are then discipled as they mature in Christ. Your local gospel outreach here and through the things that you're doing in in Bolivia and Africa and around the world and then through our partnership, the planting of churches throughout the world, um, that is a means by which we are proclaiming we are taking the good news that must be shared. So let me tell you a couple of stories about how that's happening in Sovereign Grace. I was, um, about a year and a half ago, I was in Grace Church in Peoria, Arizona. It's a, a northwest suburb of Phoenix. It was planted about seven years ago by a man by the name of Chris Dawkins, And they meet in a school. Um, and so at the end of the meeting, after I had preached, they were just, you know, cleaning up. You've done that, I'm sure, historically in this church. They're taking down the chairs. And I, I'm just going around talking, greeting folks. And I meet a young man by the name of Robert. And I said, Robert, how did you get here? He said, well, I, I'm a part of this church because of a friend of mine named Ninos. We, we work at the same place. And, and I got to know him. He goes, do you know Ninos? And I had met Ninos the day before because Ninos is a, is, a, is a community group leader in that church. Get this, Ninos is an Iraqi-born Syrian who comes, to the, he comes here to the United States. He gets saved, and he and his wife are radically on fire for Christ. And so he, he works in the same place as Robert, and he befriends Robert. And over time, he just says to Robert, hey, Robert, would you like to read the Bible with me? And Robert said, yeah, I'll do that. So they began meeting uh, I think weekly before, the, uh, before work just to read the Bible. And they just began to read through the Gospel of John together. And, and Nino said, he said, Robert had a lot of questions. He had a lot of resistance until one morning. And this is Robert telling me this story through tears. He said, well, Mark, we got to, to John 15. That language about abiding in Christ. Rich, isn't it? And he said, when I was was sitting in Nino's car at 7 a.m. in the morning outside of our workplace. We got to John 15, and I was just convicted of my sin. And I said to, to Nino, I, I'm a sinner. What do I do? And Ninos again shared the gospel with him. And in that moment, he, he prayed to confess his sin and to receive Christ as a Savior, and we believe he was saved in that moment. And since that time, He's been baptized, and he's a member of that church. That's why we plant churches, brothers and sisters, to reach men like Robert. And some guy, sometimes God brings people from Syria to do that. We are globally connected. We're currently planting a church in Manchester, New Hampshire. If you know anything about New England, we're planting two churches up there now. One in Manchester, New Hampshire, and one in East Cambridge, which is really in the Boston area, right near MIT and Harvard. And this church, King's Cross Church, was planted by Jacob Young. And he sent me an email on December 29th, and I want to just share it with you. He says, Mark, it's truly been a joy to be partners in the gospel and to watch with awe what God has done. So they started in April of last year, um, not quite a year ago. He said, this year, God has not only planted and built King's Cross through our partnership with Sovereign Grace, but by his mercy, he has recently used our community to lead one of our friends to faith in Christ. A man by the name of Lauk Main, L-O-U-K-M-A-N-E, was dead in his sins and blinded by the lies of Muhammad. So he was a Muslim man. 
blinded by the lies of Muhammad, he's been now given new life and new eyes and new faith in the Lord Jesus. Our partnership in the gospel with Sovereign Grace has been a key component to this mighty work. And so I just wanted to share this with you, Mark, so we could celebrate what God is doing. It's because that church plant and the people in that church, you know what they're doing? They're telling them about Jesus. That's what Jesus sends us to go and do. Brothers and sisters, let this weekend affect you. That you leave here saying, "Ah, Lord, give me opportunities. Give me more opportunities to share the gospel with unbelievers. Amen? All right, third thing we learn from the Great Commission. Number three, we make disciples dependent on the Holy Spirit. We see that in verses 19 and 20. Let's read those verses again. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then Jesus says, and behold, which kind of means, hey, listen up. Hey, hey, pay attention. What I'm about to say is important. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, those words that comfort us, right? Those were given right before his ascension. And even though he is physically leaving the earth, what does he promise there? He promises that he will always be with us as we go and make disciples. We know verse 20 is a sort of a pointing to the day of Pentecost, that unique day in redemptive history when the Holy Spirit fills the disciples in the upper room. And one of the effects of that filling of the Spirit is that it empowers them to go be witnesses for Christ, right? I mean, Peter, right after that, preaches a wonderful gospel sermon and 3,000 people are saved on that day. In other words, we need power to be witnesses for Christ, Jesus said said as much in Acts chapter 1 right before his ascension. Luke records it a little different way. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus sends us and he is always with us by filling us with the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. And it's the Spirit that gives us power for our unfinished task. It's the Spirit that gives us courage to share the gospel. You see, one of the signs, not not the only sign, but one of the signs of being a Spirit-filled believer is that you boldly tell others about Jesus Christ. So our ability to live out this value of church planting and outreach and global mission as a family of churches, your ability to do that as a local church is dependent upon the, the filling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. In other words, our mission is a spirit-led, spirit-empowered mission. And that truth alone reveals something massive about God. It tells us that our Trinitarian God is a missionary God who seeks and saves the lost. So God the Father initiates mission in Genesis 3.15, right? He promises the blessing of salvation in Genesis 12, and he fulfills that promise by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to do his gospel work. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, through the virgin birth, steps into this dark world, and he lives a perfect life, and he dies a perfect death, giving a perfect sacrifice for my sins. And for your sin. And he defeats sin and Satan 
and death on the cross and then is raised triumphantly on that third day, accomplishing salvation for sinners. And before his ascension, what does he say? I'm going to be with you always by sending what? The third person of the Trinity to fill us and to empower us to do our mission. Every person of the Trinity is involved in mission to reach the lost, which gives us hope that our involvement in mission will not be in vain. I mean, if the Trinitarian God's doing it, oh my goodness, we will bear fruit in sharing the gospel. And it unburdens us because we don't fulfill this great commission in our own strength, do we? We fulfill it dependent upon the power of the Spirit. Now, I want you to hear this. We talk about this as as a leadership team. I want you to hear this very clearly. In sovereign grace, we don't put our hope in our plans and our strategies. Those are good things, and we do them. We don't put our hope in them, though. We put our hope in our Trinitarian God who seeks and saves the lost. So let me tell you what I mean. Um, Three or four years ago, when Fred and Don Windemeyer came to us and said, we want to plan a sovereign grace church in an unre- with an unreached people group in Southeast Asia with sovereign grace, how do we do that? We said, we have no idea how to do that. We didn't. We weren't planning that. It's not like we had this big map up and said, let's plant a church in Northeast Thailand. No, it was something that was spirit-led, right? And spirit-born. And God is still leading them, as we heard from Fred and Dawn last night. We are currently in the process of planning a church in Croatia. Now, when I first heard about this, I didn't even know where Croatia was. I didn't get a map out. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful, it's in Eastern Europe, it's on the Adriatic Sea. But there's a man, you're, you're going to see a video, um, March, April, May, somewhere around there. And you'll hear Mario in particular, but Mario Vicinovich is planning this church. Mario is a native Croatian along with his wife Jen. And they came here, they came to the States about 10 to 12 years ago. They came as unbelievers and they got saved. And through a job change, she ended up in a Sovereign Grace church in Reading, Pennsylvania, led by C.B. Etter. And was a member there six or seven years. And he, he just, something was stirring in his heart. He said, this gospel centrality that you enjoy, that's not in Croatia. And I feel this growing burden to go and to plant a Sovereign Grace church there. So he went to the pastor's college last year. He, he left in August, he and his family, um, Mario and Jen and their five kids, uh, to go plant a church in Croatia. I was there on that Sunday morning in Reading when they were sent out. It was a wonderful morning for that church. So before, he, um, before he's going there, I could relate to Andrea's story a little bit last night about how you got your drop-off center. This is kind of his story. Um, he's, he's in the pastor's college and he's thinking, all right, I've got to find a place for my family to live, five kids, and a place to meet that we can begin to meet in planning a church. Boy, if I could, that could all be one, that'd be great. So he's online, he's looking at real estate in split Croatia, and he comes across a property that has this apartment big enough for his family, and below there's this meeting space. So he emails the guy and says, can we talk on the phone? So he gets talking to this guy in split Croatia, native Croatian, and they end up talking on the phone for about two hours. And um, it, it comes out that the guy is, is a, just a staunch Catholic, which is part of the culture there in Croatia. And at one point, Mario said, look, I want to be honest with you. I'm, I'm coming as a Protestant to plant a church and to share the gospel. Are you okay with that? He goes, yeah, I'm okay with that. So they talk price. How much do you want for this building? 
And he told him, and it was too much. And Mario said, I just can't afford it, but thank you for talking to me. He's about ready to hang up the phone. And the guy says, do you want to rent it? He goes, it's for rent. He goes, I'll consider renting it to you. So he said they, they talked two weeks later, and they got on the phone. And so Mario had done his, you know, his comps and, and realized this guy could get anywhere between $1,500 and $2,000 a month for this place. And so he gets on the phone, and uh, Mario says, well, how much do you want for it? He said, I'll take $1,000 a month for this place. And Mario said, I can't afford $1,000 a month. Now, when he's telling me that, I'm like, that was really a dumb thing to say. That was going through my mind. That was stupid. And the guy said, well, how much can you afford? And he said, $700 a month. And he said, I'll take $700 a month, and I'll apply that to you owning this property if you, if you want it. Um, I talked to Mario uh, on December 23rd, just a couple days before Christmas. We Skyped together, and, and that man is now having dinner with his family on a regular basis and plans to join a Bible study that Mario has started. Now, he's not a believer yet, but that's, that's the work he's doing. He also told me uh, on this Skype that people, see, people in Croatia, they want to leave the, the economy that's bad. It's a socialist economy. They want to get here because life will be better. And so he's doing the exact opposite. And so he bumps into people and they're saying, why did you come back here? You were there 10 years. You, you had a career. Why are you coming back here? And he's able to share the gospel with them. And he said, uh, over the last couple of months, I've literally shared the gospel with two people who had never heard of Jesus before. And may, may God give us those opportunities in sovereign grace. Amen. And do you realize more and more that's even here in the States? Because there are people that are moving from different nations here and they've never heard of Jesus before. I share all those stories because we can't plan that. We're not that good. <laughs> I'm not that good. You're not that good. But the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit will lead you. The Holy Spirit will empower you. The Holy Spirit, he will help us complete this unfinished task. This is where our value, we call it continuationist pneumatology, which means we're charismatic. That's what it means. This, this is where our value of continuationist pneumatology intersects with our value of church planting, outreach, and mission. Because we're, you're a church and we're a family of churches, we believe the work of the Spirit continues today, don't we? Some of that is in the, in the gifts being used, but another expression of that is that the Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for Christ. And so this morning, if, if you have any reluctance, if you encounter fear or trepidation to share the gospel, stop in that moment and ask for the Spirit to fill you. Ask for the Spirit to empower you. The Spirit of God's there. And he's going to give you words as you boldly and courageously share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our unfinished task is a Spirit-dependent and Spirit-empowered task. All right, let me close with this. It's, it's another interesting thing about the Gospel of Matthew. The, the Gospel of Matthew ends on a note of triumph and a note of expectation. A note of triumph in the sense that, that Jesus gives these words after his death and his resurrection. 
where he has decisively defeated Satan and sin and death. And so he stands on this mountain in Galilee as the triumphant Savior, right? And he sends us with his universal authority. And what does he send us with? A triumphant gospel message. Expectation in the sense that as we go, he promises that he will be with us. And so we can expect the Holy Spirit to be with us and to empower us as we go about our gospel mission and the expectation that one day our mission will end. Did you see that in verse 20 at the very last sentence? And behold, I am with you always until when? To the end of the age. There's a day coming, brothers and sisters, when Jesus Christ will return and he'll judge the living and the dead, won't he? And on that day, this age will end. And Jesus will come and he's going to announce, I'm making all things new. And he's bringing with him the, the new heavens and the new earth and the new age will begin. In the new age, there will be no need for mission because there will be no need for gospel declaration, a proclamation in the new heavens and the new earth because we know that all of those in that great multitude that will join us on that day around the throne of God have been washed by the blood of the Lamb as they sing, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the, the Lamb. See, the ultimate result of our mission to make disciples of all nations is the worship of God alone as he's worshiped forever and ever by those who have been saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let that eternal vision give us the expectation that there will be a day when our unfinished task will be finished. And let that eternal vision um, let, it, let it affect us, brothers and sisters, so that with urgency and with passion, you will purpose to be a local church, and we will purpose to be a family of churches who give our lives and our time and our money and our prayers and our resources to make disciples of all nations as we reach our neighborhoods and nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we go, let us believe that the triumphant Savior will be with us and help us through the empowering of the Spirit to bring the gospel to people, some who have never heard of Jesus before, and yet they will be those people people that will join us on that day and sing blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for calling us to not only an unworthy task, but such a big one because it reveals our need of you. And so we, I want to pray for every believer here that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit now. That you would grant faith, Lord, to share the gospel. That you would grant power and courage and boldness. As I was preparing this morning, I just believe... That's one of the ways the Lord wanted me to pray. That some of you here are reluctant to share the gospel. I, I'm reluctant at times. I can relate. That you lack the words or you lack courage or fear overtakes you. 
I believe the Lord's going to change that in your life. And so I pray for whoever that might be, Lord. Fill them in particular with your spirit and give them courage and give them boldness and give them words. And then now, Lord, give them opportunities to trust you. Lord, I pray that you would use Kingsway Community Church in this area of Richmond and this area of Virginia to reach many more people for Christ, but not just here, Lord, all over the world. Lord, would you continue to use them in Bolivia and in Africa and Thailand and even new opportunities that come their way, Lord. Use this church to further the gospel for your glory. And we just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.